Three, two, one. The world is yours. That's a quote. It's on a billboard that uh, on the movie that we're going to talk about later called La Heine. Oh, La Heine. <laughs> called John Wick. <laughs> I'm Adam from your movie Sex. La Heine. <laughs> uh, this is Sardonicast. Hello, everybody. <laughs> I'm Ralph Seppi. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm Alex from H.E. <laughs> Cool. Oh, did I did I take your place? Or I, 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 no, I'm just stupid. <laughs> okay, I, man, I don't know what it is about these intros, man. We got Yeah, that's just, it's part of the charm. They exactly. really like the awkwardness. You just can't yeah. do it. I don't know what Welcome it is. Welcome like... to the show, everyone. <laughs> it's the Discord thing. It's all you know. People don't give us enough credit for the Discord thing. Like, there's always lag and like shit going wrong, and like you know, we have an <laughs> editor like put this together like. That's why it's like awkward sometimes, you know. <laughs> like there, people there don't realize that. There is a delay that, between think. like countries yeah. on the other side of the planet. Because sometimes people are like, <laughs> "Why is Ralph laughing at?" Yeah. Blah, blah. It's because sometimes there's like a delay or like shit gets like re-edited. Like, <laughs> and yeah, you don't appreciate like how just how much of conversation is just body language that you don't even get to see, isn't it? What? Like ninety percent mm-hmm. of <laughs> yeah, yeah, huh? We're just three floating heads. Huh? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, we're just three three floating heads trying to make it in this crazy internet. <laughs> I'm really confused. So I sometimes Same. see things on the internet that I don't care enough about to look into, but they happen every year and I don't know what's going on and I just maybe I need to look into it. What the fuck is the Met mm. Gala? Is it just celebrities try to dress as weird as possible? That's the goal. What is it's like it? a fashion show, right? Jared Leto's in a fursuit now. It's not even a real fursuit. It's a fake furry fursuit. Fucking poser. I'm looking up the, the Met Gala. Oh, now. was that Jared Leto in that? That was suit Jared Leto. Our community is ruined now. <laughs> oh, Jared Leto's a furry? He's not. It's not a real furry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gatekeeping. <laughs> wow, I had no idea that was Jared. I, I saw that picture floating around, but I didn't realize it was him. Yeah. How do we know? How do we actually know? Because he took out. There's a picture of him with the. Here, I'll show you. Oh, he took it off. Yeah. Because of course he'd have to. Like, there. What's the point then? What's the point of <laughs> wearing that if you're just gonna walk around and? Take the okay, head off and be is. like, ooh, it's me. It's me, Jared Leto. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Look how big wow. the head is. Yeah, because they, they have like a theme, right? And they're supposed to design a costume or have oh. a d- costume designed around a theme. I think it was supposed to was some kind of artist they were referencing. I, I don't know what this cat oh, okay. Ferris suit is about. Though, like. I don't know if he's aware that furries exist. I think he just dressed up as a cat. That's, this is definitely like yeah. a millionaire's interpretation of a fursuit. <laughs> you know? Like, look at that head. It's it's definitely <laughs> like like a... Uh, what's that word? Like a taxidermied <laughs> kind yeah. of... Not like really, but it looks... Looks like a real fucking cat head. It's so weird. Yeah, it looks, it looks very like good. Yeah. Like very detailed. Like, it looks expensive. Or he's like more toony shit, you know? Yeah, it looks like a very expensive suit. Yeah. <laughs> it looks like, definitely looks like a designer outfit. 
Yeah. Yeah. Million dollar fursuit. But so what is it? They just, yeah. like, it's a fashion show. And every celebrity just yeah. shows up. Just, it's just, yeah, a fashion show. You're, you're right about the theme. I see they're all, like, they look kind of similar. All the the fashion, you know, it's like black and yeah. white. This year's theme of. was narcissism. <laughs> <laughs> That's every year's theme. Oh. Uh, they all look like, uh, you know, um, what's that Jennifer Lawrence series where they're, like, playing Battle Royale. Um, the Hunger, the Hunger Games. They all look oh, like Hunger, Hunger Games. Games characters, you know. Pretty much, yeah, at this point. Yeah, mm-hmm. which the new trailer dropped for the new one. I hope we're all hyped for that. Looks oh, yeah. fantastic. Another one to oh, keep yeah. going. It drops? Woo! Oh, it dropped. Okay, like I'll the, react to that. Like a character out of the battle bus. Yeah. Later. Not Ready for a reaction. Ooh. Adding that to my list. Yeah. I uh, The I new Dune trailer's out tomorrow, apparently. Oh, yeah. Nice. I saw okay. the teaser for the teaser. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> so sick of that. <laughs> Just stop. God yeah. damn it. Is that coming back to form the now? I feel like ad. that kind of went away for a while after like COVID. But now, yeah, now we're getting ads for ads again. Yeah. Fuck. Okay. <laughs> I hate the house. Yeah, you know what? I just, I, I, oh, I searched Met Gala on Twitter and I found a good one. Fangoria posted breaking. <laughs> the Skinamarink phone has arrived in the 2023 Met Gala. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I like, I like shit. That. I like shit posty things. There we go. <laughs> yeah. Uh like Sam Smith's uh Brit Awards outfit was pretty funny. That was the, the odd little meme comes out of it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Here's here's uh here's one for the British. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> I got Queen Elizabeth the second has arrived at the twenty twenty three Met that gala red carpet. Aww. Okay. I kinda like the shit posty things. I like I like making fun of it. I just want to see more like Sasha Baron Cohen making fun of like crazy fashion people. That was fun in the movie Bruno and also on his uh, Ali G show. Yeah, it was funny in Bruno. Yeah. It's just, this is like, there's very few things that I don't (laughs) quite get where I, most things that I see people taking interest in, even if I don't have like a particular interest in my sport, in myself, like sports. I'm like, I get it. There's very few mm-hmm. things I don't get, and that's fashion and wrestling. <laughs> Pro wrestling. Really? I, yeah. I just kind of look at it, and I'm like, I don't... Man, this is so odd. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it is a bit wacky. Have you seen the Louis Theroux where he goes to the wrestlers? That's like a great episode of that. No, I haven't. Uh, Louis Theroux's Weird Weekends, I think. Yeah. Okay, I'll search that out. <laughs> Funny. Well, we all watched... A different man dress up in, but he shot people instead. We all watched Mr. Wick. Damn. <laughs> yeah. Rip. Oh, oh. F, actually. Yeah, Lance Riddick. Rip. Yeah, 60 years he old. He was great in these. Yeah, so fucking young. What the fuck? And he was, you know, the, he's in the fucking wire. And yeah. He's an amazing actor. I was like, what the fuck when that happened? Yeah, that um, was quite a surprise. Yeah, so, no. that was Very a surprise. Mm-hmm. And he's great in these family. movies. And yeah, um, the John Wick movies, one of the strengths about them is the supporting cast, I'd say. Like Lance Riddick and Ian McShane and, you know. Uh, Lawrence it, Fishburne. Uh, Lawrence Fishburne, right. And yeah. Halle Berry. They got to do everything they can to prop up uh, 
Mr. Right. Reeves. He's <laughs> to death, man, but Reeves. He's, he's yeah. got his skills. He's got his skills. He's got a look, and he's got very good, like, gun training. Yeah, he's a very nice kind of man. His physical performance. And he does all his own stunts, and he's a very cool guy. Yeah, He takes the subway, um, and he gives the seat to an elderly person that needs it the most. <laughs> yeah, but he's, he says, what, like, three words in this movie? <laughs> he says, like, yeah. That's like, what's good about it. You. Yeah, I yeah. love that about this movie. They make John Wick barely say anything, which is awesome. It's like gives him this mystique that I think is cool. And plus, yeah, Keanu Reeves, he works better as like a saying less. <laughs> uh, I don't think he's a bad actor. I, it's I think just he's like, mostly bad. He's got limited range, I, maybe in some ways, but I like him as this character. I think we're saying the same yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah i like him as this character because he doesn't talk and he's like yeah. he just like says shit like yeah i'm going to kill you or like give me a gun <laughs> like that's better <laughs> yeah you're gonna kill, die. I kicked my dog your neighbor yeah, came I'm to my house and you. she kicked my dog yeah i like that dialogue <laughs> gives him personality oh my god um and yeah, you're right, Alex, like how it props up, all the other actors prop up him and all these great actors, yeah. like, make it work. Yeah, and I think that's why the movies work as well as they do. And this is what four movies in, like, I don't think we've mentioned this franchise really at all on this podcast anyway. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How do you guys feel about the stuff before this? Because for me, like, I, I liked that first movie, I thought it was a fun surprise. Didn't really care that much about two. Only recently mm. saw three, just ready to see four. And I thought like it wasn't really till four where I was kind of connecting more with it. Um, and so I still funny. kind of have a bunch of issues. Uh, I don't know. I, I kind of took a step back with this franchise because, yeah, it's not exactly my thing all over. Mm-hmm. It's got like uh, details I do like about it. And I think Ford probably is the best yeah. one. But yeah, it's kind of a rocky franchise for me. Yeah, yeah, I guess like on the surface, I don't think I would like it either because on the surface, it is like a kind of gun kata, almost like Freddie Wong video, like just a bunch of shootouts with like, right. you know, I hate I hate like the CGI squibs and whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, it's yeah. all done in post-production. But I think I really like the John Wick movies and what makes them work is that there's really like craft put into the choreography. Like even if you can tell yeah. there's like bullet squib that are like done in cg like the choreography is really impressive and it's almost like watching a ballet of like brutal violence and and i really did enjoy that about all four of the movies i think they're great action movies i have issues with like the story maybe but like the action scenes is like they get better as they go along i think each one the first one's probably my least favorite now because like Mm. even like the third one like it's got kind of a dumb story but there's some really cool action scenes in it like when they're getting chased by like the motorcycles there on the bridge or i don't know the final fight with like zero and whatever like those scenes are really cool i think they're great action movies <laughs> this is like my point they yeah. the the fight <laughs> scenes get more interesting and elaborate and also kind of cheesy as they go along it's kind of fun but what really makes the second and third films kind of irritating for me is just how much you have to sit through to get to the action scenes like they they spend a long time with this like cool music serious tone like developing this story that essentially just feels like it's written by a 14 year old anyway of like the assassins (laughs) kill the assassins and they'll kill you anyway and they treat like those parts 
they feel like in the context of the movie they're treated super seriously and they take up a lot of time. And I'm just kind of like, just get to the action. Like, I, I, this is an action movie. Everybody likes it for the action. <laughs> Nobody cares about this part. And it, yeah. the, the amount of time that they spent on that shit in the second and the third movie really dragged them down for me. Although, you know, I don't think they're terrible. It's just... The fourth one, it does it well, I think, but yeah. Yeah, I think there's a charm to like the simplicity of them for me. Yeah. The fourth one, the pacing yeah, well, was much better. I like the world of assassins that they established mm-hmm. in this, you know, series. I think that is cool. So I did like scenes in between. It, it the eventually action. pays oh. off, yes. <laughs> in the fourth one, it really pays off, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, it's like... It's an inherently kind of video gamey concept, right? Right mm-hmm. down to things like power creep and whatnot, like affecting the action scenes. They've got to like they invent the suits that are bulletproof, and then that like escalates the action a certain way. And then they yeah. just keep having to basically figure out new ways to refresh this main gimmick they have with these kind of CQC up close gun slash melee fights. And then like yeah, gun yeah, what what environment can we put them in? What who can we put them up up against? And they come up with like over the franchise a bunch of like fun different hooks. Like in three, I kind of liked the those villainous characters who were they were kind of like fanboys of John Wick, which was kind of yeah. like a, a fun dynamic, which was a bit more kind of like nod nod to the audience. I thought that was like a fun thing. And then, but one of the big things that was holding this franchise back for me was up until this fourth movie, they they didn't really have the strongest antagonist to me. Mm. And I really felt like having uh, Donnie Yen as mm-hmm. a, this kind of antagonist figure like he he really like carried a lot of the action for me i his like gimmick as a character was really fun for me to watch and he like really added a lot to the those action scenes and just having someone like equally capable as john finn to kind of constantly be clashing against like that was the dynamic i was like looking for from this franchise because yeah mm. it does kind of acknowledge the kind of goofier side he's doing the rogue one blind like assassin type guy <laughs> so again silly <laughs> yeah so it is silly and there is almost this weird it does almost like acknowledge its goofiness sometimes it sometimes feels almost like a musical where like when it would get yeah. to a musical number it turn, it's like equated with an action scene instead and kind of rules are a bit different and they will be in like a crowded environment like firing guns and stuff and people aren't really reacting but that doesn't really matter and that's not the point it's just like the spectacle of the action and mm-hmm. four definitely is the most consistent with that like delivering on the spectacle and ramping it up again and again and not really lingering on the stuff that adam was just saying about the two and three which i agree with i do still think it's like way too long for what it is i would trim a bunch of this out and it would be perfect for me because i do feel like as this one does have a better pace compared to the previous where it does kind of falter for me it's like it does start getting exhausting after a while when like each fight is like multiple waves of enemies and i'm I'm there for like the first three waves or so but by the time you get to like the fifth or sixth i'm kind of like all right i need like a new gimmick now it is nearly a three hour long movie it's like an endless onslaught but the character is exhausted this is like gene dealman yeah it is like it's just like gene dealman (laughs) it's like exactly like that (laughs) that's the other thing though about john wick is um the 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 thing that made him a fun character originally was the fact that like his his past was kind of shrouded in mystery and the, the premise of like uh some asshole guy messing with the wrong person and like you killed this dog and it happens to be this pro assassin who's like just like retired and it's like that's a funny reveal and the whole like assassin lore it is comical but the more and more they're stretching it like the more and more <laughs> silly it becomes yeah I just, you know, I disagree with like 
a lot of what you said. <laughs> I, you know, I, I like that the movie's long and that there's like this world building. We mentioned how John Wick or Keanu Reeves doesn't really say a lot. And they focus a lot on these other characters like Donnie Yen and like the this Osaka, I guess, um, Continental and like all this other mm. shit going on. It makes the world feel like like it's alive and like it's, you know, like it's going on outside of the character. And also, I think they did keep some mystery to John Wick, too. I think they, you know, like they, they teach you enough about him. You know enough about his past, but they don't go too far into it. I think they kept it still vague enough in these movies. Mm-hmm. We didn't get a flashback to teenage John. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, Wick's kind of like... I, I saw it was, I think it was Joel Haver's review of uh, this movie I saw on Letterboxd. He made like a good observation where like John Wick is quite a nihilistic character. Like his, mm-hmm. he has nothing to fight for. Like it is, the, mm-hmm. the whole point of his character is that, yeah, he's he's got nothing to lose. So he's like constantly on this revenge mission. And to me, it kind of makes him a bit more of like a hollow character because I feel like he's, he doesn't really have anything to fight for apart from this like primal revenge type thing and that's that's fun within like pockets but for me like i'm cool with just the first john wick and this one like i feel like those two are kind of enough make 10 to get to this point i I didn't even really need some of the previous stuff uh because even stuff down to like you said the 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 whole scene in uh, osaka that was like the first time in the franchise i felt like the whole kind of neon aesthetic was working a bit more because like it it does become a bit mm. much for me in two and three like the they're not like the prettiest movies to me they're, they're quite a bombardment of like neon uh mess and i just felt like it was it was mm. finding its its voice a bit more in this one and i just felt way more confident in that kind of side of things yeah mm-hmm. okay i can see that yeah, there was some point. I wanted, yeah, about the action. It's really silly. It's really stupid. Obviously, people don't have bulletproof suits and whatever. <laughs> like, but I love the action scenes in this. And I just think I've seen so many action scenes in my life that are so fucking boring. And let me mm. just use like a Steven Seagal movie as an example. Mm-hmm. Usually, <laughs> like in those shitty Steven Seagal movies, it's like a shot of Steven Seagal holding a gun, right? He shoots. And then there's a reverse shot of the bad guy yeah. Quick cut. Um, getting hit. Yeah, and it's really boring because that's like the whole action scene. It's like shot, reverse shot. Pew, pew. What's interesting about the gun kata, I guess, and why they like really double down on it is like, you know, they're in the same frame. Like you see two subjects fighting. They're in the same frame. They're shooting at each other. Um, yeah. But it's more visually interesting to watch, you know, and that's really what the point of the action is. It's not about being realistic. It's about being visually interesting. Yeah. And that's why I compare it to a ballet, it, you know. Because they're doing insane shit. And, and yeah, Donnie Yen's blind and he's putting doorbells on the walls and like people b- they walk by him. And he, it's like fucking crazy shit. But like, I love to it's scenes, entertaining. Yeah. yeah, it's really entertaining. And that's more, I think, what worked about it for me. Almost like kind of slapsticky. Have <laughs> you ever times. seen uh, The Raid in The Raid 2? Yeah, I love those movies yeah. also. I also love those movies. I I consider those to be like really top tier like action choreography that and like i don't know kill bill or like maybe the matrix like mm-hmm. and john wick has very competent action choreography and it's refreshing in today's current landscape of films especially action films to see like oh this is actual real coordination with effort put into it and there's stunt people that are actually you know doing a good job and cheated relatively well and 
It's not mm-hmm. all this quick cut bullshit where you can't tell what's going on. You know, like it's very refreshing to see that. I don't think that this is anywhere near the level of, well, the first three films anyway, I don't think is anywhere near the level of like coordination and overall choreography as those other films that I'd mentioned. But I think that the success of this franchise in general is kind of a a byproduct of just how generally terrible the landscape of action films are currently. Like there's really Mm -hmm. not a lot of action films or films at all that have decent choreography. Like every time action Mm -hmm. happens in a movie, it's always quick cut bullshit. It's always like, oh, you can't tell what's going on. And they just cheated it in a way where it was the easiest to film for the directors and they didn't have to put any effort into it. Yeah. And so John Wick comes along and people are like, whoa, an action movie? Like (laughs) that isn't, (laughs) that isn't just such garbage. And so then, yeah, yeah, this is like one of the most successful franchises. (laughs) It gets four movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where the lead does his own yeah. stunts. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, he's riding horses and whatever. Exactly. And that's why like the acting, okay, whatever, from Keanu. But like at least he's doing his own stunt work. That's more important to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. So many action movies, they fall apart with that. And it's nice to see something that does, like, they really put like work into the choreography and, and that stuff. Yeah, I would say this is probably the best action movie I've seen since the raid movies and i'm not saying they're better but Mm -hmm. i'm not saying uh john wick 4 is better but it's probably the best i've seen like the choreography just speaking on that not like the story or anything i think the choreography is about as good if not better than the raid movies like this one this one is super impressive yeah Yeah, this one is really impressive definitely the appeal what really won me over was the hotline miami shot the top down like seemingly all in one take but not really but you know like the fucking the flame shotgun or whatever the, was happening. The yeah, dragon breath the shotgun. dragon breath. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, man, that was so cool. Yeah, it was like... <laughs> yeah, that, that was great. That was a very insanely well-realized action sequence where every single element was coming together, the coordination and the cinematography and just... Yeah, that that really felt like a, a ballet dance. <laughs> like, it, 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 mm-hmm. it just... Yeah, it was exactly what it should have been. Like that that was like the best moment from the franchise for me and I just Yeah, was I was really impressed it. by that staircase fight at the yeah, end. Yeah, that was also that was, a lot of fun. Even just mm. cons- yeah, conceptually that's a great like idea for an action scene. Like he has to get up the stairs and he keeps getting kicked down and like it's so much fun to see. And it's like it a funny. good kind of metaphor for like the whole franchise really mm-hmm. or just life like you got to climb up the stairs and you keep getting kicked down, get knocked down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's kind of like the whole point of these like he keeps getting knocked down and he keeps getting back up again right <laughs> there is something about the simplicity of john wick that i do like i, I like that he's just like a revenge seeking mm-hmm. like just guy with no purpose in yeah. life <laughs> but you know like uh, usually i would criticize something like that but they they give it a personality mm-hmm. yeah like they make him like this ghost like he you know he's mysterious you, you know yeah and i like that about the character so how long do you think before lionsgate forces a john wick 5 oh they're gonna do it well, last i heard they're doing some kind of spin-off movie oh. right? that was supposed to be set like in the hotel with lance reddick and stuff like that they're doing uh i think they're doing a spin-off show about the continental it's a show is it yeah, and they're making a movie with Ana de Armas where she's like a ballerina or something, and it's set in that world. Uh, I think that's the plan. Okay, there you go. Yeah. 
Well, I could be good. Look, as long as they make good action scenes, I don't really care what they do. Like, I would watch more movies from these guys. Like, any, like, just for the action. If they're as good as those two last action scenes in this movie, then fucking make whatever you want. I'll watch it. Yeah. Just try not to, like, even, you know, even if, like, let's say there was the same amount of, like, bullshit dialogue scenes as, like, the second and third movie, like, at least there would be so much more of a payoff, right? John Wick Chapter 4. I found was e- even the dialogue scenes were a lot more digestible. Like it was leading more towards something like the stakes were higher and, you know, the culmination of events was, you know, was all getting there and no scene dragged on for too long individually. But even, even if they were dragging on the payoff at the end of this movie is like pretty insane. At least you get somewhere with it, you know? Yeah. It's yeah. all action. Like the last like half hours, all action. I felt it's really great action. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like constant, like, yeah, it's like a bombardment of action, like thrown at you. And yeah, it's really satisfying. I love that little, uh, I don't know how to say the, the, per, per, the, the circle in Paris, the circle road. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Where he's like drifting around it with like poking it, out the, yeah, that was a great, uh, sequence. That was a lot of fun. <laughs> that was a great action sequence. Yeah. There's some memorable ones. Who was the wrestler there in the purple suit that whole uh the fuck was, yeah who was that oh the, the like cyclist <laughs> yeah where he's kind of like the penguin type deal he looked like sasha baron cohen in a fat suit yeah. <laughs> if he wasn't but yeah i could see it yeah yeah he looked like one of those characters yeah scott atkins i have yeah. no idea it's scott atkins this is really it was bizarre but like i liked you know they were again building this world and these like crazy assassin characters. And I felt like as these movies got along, they got better at kind of making these characters like that, the purple suit guy in this, like he stood out to me. He's like a memorable, like yeah. antagonist, like, Oh, John Wick just has to like assassinate him. Yeah. It is kind of video gamey, but it's like fun. It's, it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm with you on, on the same observations. It's just for me, it doesn't all come together mostly because mm-hmm. of that pace. Like I just, I do feel that length and it, I, I just get frustrated because I feel like I should be loving it more because mm-hmm. this is like exactly what I'm, I'm looking for, but I just get a bit stuck on the spectacle action when I can't, I'm not really feeling the tension and I'm just kind of awing at the, the pure like stuntsman work. I'm, I'm not really connecting on anything beyond that. And I think that's cool for a couple hours, but yeah, I start feeling fatigued at a certain point. And I feel that way about most of these movies, to be honest. I just think this is the, the best one it has like the most spectacle the most memorable scenes the most stuff i'd actually like want to revisit um is definitely in in chapter four yeah Yeah. i'll i'll watch chapter four again i don't think i'll watch any of the other ones again honestly Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm. for sure three has some cool action for me (laughs) yeah well i'll watch the fan cut where they cut out the bullshit or something yeah, you can just watch <laughs> I won't action. actually watch the whole movie. <laughs> I'd agree. Four is the best one. I like all. Of Everyone them. seems to four think four is so, the yeah. best. I, yeah. I I agree. Hmm. I didn't feel the length really. I found like this was maybe the most digestible John Wick film in terms of pacing for me. Yeah, me either. And I think it's the longest one. Yeah. Yeah, I was surprised actually. Yeah, it definitely is. Yeah, I I wasn't really bothered by the length. I saw it twice. Damn. Nice. How many how many movies do you watch in theaters twice? The last one I saw twice was Avatar, mm-hmm. too. 
<laughs> Sometimes. I like seeing big spectacle movies in theaters twice. Yeah. If they're yeah, fun. It's the ideal or, setting. Yeah, exactly. You don't want to watch John Wick at like home. It's not as cool. On your fucking I mean, telephone. You can, but yeah, on your <laughs> fucking telephone. David Lynch is still going on about that. But, yeah, I saw that. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you know, look, he's fucking old. <laughs> it's like it's like with Ridley Scott. Like these guys are fucking old. What do you expect? Any John Wick? Uh, do we have ratings? Do we have anything yes, more to say? I got a rating. I would give it a six out of ten. Loved it. Dumb fun. I'll rewatch it at some point. Maybe I'll give it a seven that day, but we'll see. Loved it. Six out of ten. Well, yeah, you know, I mean, the other ones <laughs> were lower. I never thought that I would actually yeah. enjoy truly a John Wick film, and this won me over by the end. But I'll have to, I'll have to see how I feel about the whole thing next time I watch mm-hmm. it. I, I will watch it again. I, I definitely agree. It's the best one. I really enjoyed this whole franchise, and I enjoyed this one the most. I'd give it an eight out of ten. I really liked it. I thought it was awesome. Yeah, I'm kind of like a, a really high six, uh, three star for me. I do think it's the best one. It's the one I was kind of least bored in, like I had the least sags, but I don't know. I'm, I did feel that runtime, unlike you guys. Uh, yeah, I can get down with the spectacle. I love this dedication to the, the stunt work and the action. I want to see more of that. I just, yeah, I just wish I cared more about this franchise and character, but I just, I can't fib. I, I don't really connect with these movies beyond... That, that pure spectacle, hence my, yeah, that's, my school. That's fine. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, Ralph and Alex saw something that I have no plans on ever watching, and I'm kind of ir- interested to hear them talk about it anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Quantum Mania, on the other hand. Yeah. So take yeah. it away, because uh, I just want, I heard this is a train wreck, and I kind of want to hear what you have to say about you, it. You so. want to take it away, Alex? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, okay. So Peyton Reed has dropped a new classic for us. Uh, <laughs> Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, Marvel's latest big promise. It was kind of like the, a lot riding on this movie as far as like this whole big franchise plan is concerned with the, the most notable aspect being that the new Thanos is here. Kang is being properly introduced in this movie and he's, Ant-Man's got to fight Kang. Uh, Ooh, yeah. <laughs> this also happens to be the third in the Ant-Man trilogy, all directed mm-hmm. by Peyton Reed. God bless his soul. And yeah, this just kind of continues this run of these Marvel movies kind of coming out and not really moving the needle that much, especially this one. It feels like, mm. you know, like p- people were here and there about uh, Doctor Strange or whatever. We quite liked it being Raimi fans, but I don't know how people felt about that outside of it. And then Black Panther had the whole fucking unfortunate event with their main character so it feels like this weird kind of yeah aimless project eternal right eternals yeah. didn't hit well yeah the only thing that really hit well was spider-man and that was also sony collaborating yeah and it was like yeah it had the whole member berries aspect and i suppose those mm-hmm. what was it shang chi that was okay shang chi was yeah that was fine just fine though like none of these movies are really moving the needle that much yeah but this is just the latest one of those, and people have been clowning it a fair amount. <laughs> I saw, especially with the like Spy Kids three comparisons, because as the title suggests, like Quantum Mania, that like most of the movie is set in the quantum realm, which is just like really, really, really tiny place, yeah. which you could probably do like a bunch of fun stuff with conceptually, like a a movie based in just micro, micro, micro worlds, micro cities, whatever you want to conceptualize mm-hmm. it as. I'm sure there's loads of stuff to reference in the comics, but what they go for here is more of like this 
Star Wars ripoff type thing. You can tell Peyton Reed like that's what he really wants to be making because they just take the laziest road here and like, yep, they just go, they shrink really tiny and it's Star Wars for some reason. Like this, <laughs> like rebellion, alien factions, like warring, like. And it's like you get like no point of reference or context as to why any any of this matters or why we should care. Like uh-huh. that man as a character only really works when you see him like grow big enough to like pick up a bus, you know, because you know how big a bus is. Take, <laughs> take him into this realm where everything is tiny. It's like nothing, nothing matters. Like none of these yeah. powers don't matter. None of this like is yeah. a yeah. fun hook at all. We're, we're not the first people to say this. Yeah, because like in the real world when ant-man shrinks like you have some relation because you know you live in the real world too so you know how big a car is supposed to be right yeah in this in this uh quantum realm everything's a fucking blob everything's a purple and orange you know and a and like just blob and it's like just like like, floating this is seen lasers yeah this is seen where like ant-man and his daughter are big like giant and they run at each other and hug in a field. Yeah. So, but there's no relation to like anything. It's just an empty field. So there's just like, it's just like, yeah. it doesn't have an impact. Like it doesn't I didn't matter. Catch that until I, until I heard like the sound design where they like make them sound big, you know? I was like, oh, this yeah. supposed to be big right now. That's, it just wow, looks like a normal like shot of them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. It completely like ruins his powers. Yeah. That was uh, the movie. Just looked terrible. That was <laughs> yeah. Visually, it's like man. Visually, they, they, it's like, just so hard to look at. Man, yeah, it's so, it's so hard. <laughs> they stretched like, it so thin, man. Like they man, <laughs> all these projects they're doing, and with the amount of visual effects work required to even get something like this out the door, like it mm. needs more time. It needs way more time in the oven than what it gets. Because it, it's all CG. Like most of the movies, CGI, and yeah, it looks like shit. Yeah, because I think they used that, um, you know, that dome they created for the Mandalorian, you know, where you can kind of oh, use technology. Unreal Engine to project stuff in the dome so you can get the lighting right on armor and stuff. They, mm. like, used it a ton, I think, for this movie because, man, a, lo- a lot of it looks really bad. And <laughs> Peyton Reed, I guess, used it a bunch. I think he directed some episodes of uh, the Mandalorian. So that Star Wars oh. is leaking out, man. It's just the wrong... Approach everything with the because Matt, the Ant Man character as well is like he's always kind of been heralded as heralded as like one of the more comedic characters, you know. It's not like uh, mm-hmm. like Iron Man ha- has his comic factor, but they get like serious, you know, they have drama and whatnot. The Ant Man movies, yeah. they're way more kind of lighthearted, a bit more comic. Paul Rudd's obviously the lead, so you have that going on. And they, they try to like pull out jokes, but I, I don't know about you, man. Like <laughs> the the way they executed it, I don't yeah. think a single one landed. It was like a really weird tone because there was simultaneously no. trying to have this Ant Man silly tone as well as establish the new threat that's supposed to be so frightening and mm-hmm. important and scary that he's the new big bad in this whole universe or whatever that's supposed to we're supposed to fear. And also at the same time as that, his main henchman. Is is this character Modok? Um, <laughs> yeah, that was awful. I don't know what you know about this character Modok. He's, a, Adam, he's basically a floating nothing. head. He's a floating head in a robot <laughs> suit. Them out. 
Yeah, look them up. It looks cool in the comic, okay. but in the movie, they really... Oh, this fucking... Um, yeah, I've seen an image of this yeah. stupid yeah, I'm thing. I'm sure you've seen uh, images being oh shared. Oh, my God. It. It's just so In the movie, it looks terrible. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're looking it up in the yeah. movie. I'm just like... Yeah. I'm looking at Google Images right now. This is disgusting. Yeah. It's it's hard to look at what in the, the film, and I don't know. So I, I, I was glued. <laughs> yeah, the villain from the first movie, I guess, went into the quantum realm. Played by, I think, Corey Stoll is his name. He was, like, crushed or something in his suit. Yeah. Which, like, sent oh. him to the quantum realm or, like, squashed. Okay. Yeah. And all that was left was his head. And, and so like they put Kang his... And Kang put, put his head machine. on a robot body. Is, but, like, I don't think that's Modoc's backstory in the in the comics or whatever. I think they just made no, that bullshit No, I think that's, up. like, a new thing. Because, I mean, like, to be fair, adapting that character would be a challenge, probably, into live yeah. action anyway. But they took, like, the... Let's just make it a joke angle uh-huh yeah that was the worst route to take it looks it looks like in the comic there's at least like a kind of creepy face creepy mm-hmm. evil smile thing that you could yeah whereas here well, he has like a mask yeah he has like a metal mask that comes on sometimes like I'm there he looks fine it's when it's when he takes the mask off and you see the you know weird looking oh. human head I had to like look over to my friends, like, is this like bothering you too? Because <laughs> <laughs> I felt like, yeah, you was, know, <laughs> I felt like I was on a different planet, like watching yeah. the movie with like a full crowd of people, and we're all looking at this effect, and we're like, is this right? Is this done? Okay. Because mm-hmm. for me, like uh, these Ant Man movies are like the the most boring MCU projects to me, especially like the second one. To me, this single inclusion mm-hmm. of this one character to me makes it like the the, the most interesting Ant Man movie. <laughs> Just yeah. this one guy being in there because it, it is, it is <laughs> so crazy. Yeah. The, yeah. The, 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 like, wow. They didn't put him in the trailer. He is attached. <laughs> no, no, they, they didn't. didn't cause I'm it looks so at bad. Some yeah. Camera right but now. he's attached to the hip. To this new big bad, and it's like, oh really? <laughs> it kind of yeah. He makes out that like yeah, Kang, he's the new leader, and he he brought me back, and he put me in the suit and gave me these powers. What what? And it's like, well now my okay. first thought whenever I think of Kang is going to be this guy, you know? Like, yeah, wow. Yeah, he kind of steals the spotlight. <laughs> and it's yeah. funny how people were memeing the conclusion of that like character arc for Modok because it ends so unsatisfying like it, it, oh, like yeah. cassie is just like you're a dick and then like yeah. walks away She's and like, he's like yeah, don't be oh a dick. man yeah don't be a dick and then i guess he does he has like some noble sacrifice oh i guess spoilers <laughs> spoilers oh, for ant-man and the wasp quantum mania <laughs> yeah there's like a noble sacrifice and yeah the what? audience was left confused because we're like were we supposed to like modok or not or like did modok sacrifice themselves <laughs> yeah yeah but it wasn't clear like what you were supposed to be feeling when he sacrifices yeah, himself is it like is it supposed to be a redemption moment or is this supposed to be a gag like the her delivery in that scene is almost seems confused you know like she doesn't really know what the intent of the, mm-hmm. the delivery is supposed to be because i guess mm-hmm. she was just in a dome like just acting against nothing and maybe they only decided <laughs> what it looked like yeah you know like yeah it's just um, a crazy oh movie that's like all over yeah. the place and you have like yeah, these is. really frustrating characters they have this like team you know it's it's ant-man it's the wasp it's michael douglas uh michelle pfeiffer michelle pfeiffer um yeah it's like this whole crew and matt they don't really have much chemistry they're just kind of irritating the way they bounce off each mm-hmm. other like michelle pfeiffer's mm-hmm. whole like gimmick of the movie is she's the one character who actually knows what's going on like in the quantum realm or whatever but just any chance uh, they get to 
delay the exposition dump. She's always just like, oh no, it's too dangerous right now, or I'm just trying to protect you. And she just won't deliver the information. So like half the movie is them just asking her like, what's going on? Oh, do, I don't <laughs> yeah, have time to true. explain. Let's go quick, keep moving, keep moving to the crazy cameos and the next bit. And like, man, they have yeah, whole, that's whole, funny. like, uh, was, Bill Murray shows up for this like random cameo and it like goes nowhere. That was Seems terrible. Like pointless. Isn't funny. Yeah, he was in the trailer, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. It's like one scene. He's in the trailer. He's in one scene. He's in it That's less so than Modoc is. Yeah. And that scene was a fucking waste. It seemed like they were trying to do a, like a Thor Ragnarok type thing, you know, where you get the Jeff Goldblum in, you have the kind of yeah. scene and it like works or is a bit more improv I, d- I don't know. But like, yeah, that, that's done now. You, you can't that's a comparison I was going to bring up too. In Ragnarok, mm. you remember those characters like Valkyrie and Korg and whatever. Do you remember any of the fucking characters in the quantum realm? Like, you're never going to see any of them again, probably. Who was it? The, the warrior lady and the guy who shot a laser out of his face and like a, there's like a jello guy. <laughs> they, they tried to do this weird like Groot thing. Uh-huh. They had this whole gag with this like slime character who's yeah. like always going on about slime and then he gets like shot through the stomach and it creates a hole in him and then he's like i've got a hole and then he like runs around like sucking the bad guys into his hole and it's like played <laughs> as if it's this like hero moment like yeah doing something it's really weird um and just like totally doesn't land there's just way too much going on so i'm i'm looking up clips of modok on youtube i found a comment i want to know if you agree with someone mm. keyboard warrior says what I find so crazy about this film is that nothing actually happens. The start of this film is literally the same as the ending. If you were to cut out the quantum realm, nothing would change. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, that's so true. Yeah, because it does have the same intro and outro. Yeah. Yeah, nothing happens. And the, the, the biggest conflict of the movie is solved by Michael Douglas just, like, summoning his ants that have been, like, traveling through time or some insane thing. They've, like, learned everything <laughs> in history, and then they've, like, I'm, come I'm surprised through. you remember this much about like, the plot. <laughs> Do you remember that happening? This, I, I remember the like ants, but I don't remember... dream. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember the, like, the time-traveling thing, but I guess that, yeah, I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Wow. It, it is just nothing. I rewatched the other Ant-Man movies, like, after Quantumania to see if I liked them better, and... Yeah, I do. I, even Ant-Man and the Wasp is a better movie. Like, those take place in our world, and there's, like, some fun action scenes in there, some fun set pieces, you know, like, Ant-Man and the Wasp. I, I know you don't like it, Alex, but, like, the, the car chase at the end, when, like, the cars are shrinking and growing, that's kind of fun. Mm. And and here, this is, like, the worst Ant-Man movie. It, it's It's the worst one. It's just, like, none of the chemistry works, none of the yeah. action works. It's visually repulsive. Like that's it's like it's just <laughs> ugly to look at, and that's it's like fucking unwatchable for that. Yeah, yeah. That, which to me is what makes it the best Ant Man because it's like the, it's such a spectacular <laughs> failure. It's like a two hundred million dollar like just just what the what were you thinking? Just a dud. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got mm. nothing going on. <laughs> Did it ever feel anything remotely close to? the tone of that uh, repurposed Elton John song in the trailer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. No. Oh, yeah. I didn't it, think do you know what it reminded me? It reminded me of Valerian. Oh, nice. Mm, Remember yeah. that? <laughs> yeah, it's like it was, Valerian. Yeah, I will never forget, actually. <laughs> yeah. It was Valerian vibes. That's what it was. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. 
a lot of people are going to hop off the MCU after this movie. I bet they hopped off already, even before this. I mean, fucking Guardians 3 is coming out soon. I don't know if I actually want to see it. I feel like mm. I feel like I'm the, like it's do I really on. just give in to this sort of like <laughs> I'm obligated to watch it cuz I watched the other ones? Like I don't really care what's happening in this universe anymore. Am I going to watch it? See, for me that might be the last one I care about, you know? Cuz I actually yeah, feel me like too. I'm invested in those characters a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. want to see how that ends. But like, yeah, this stuff, I could, yeah, there's nothing. I don't know if I am invested in any of the characters in the fucking, in that one, Guardians. No. So yeah, no. I, I like them a lot more. I'm looking forward to Guardians, but yeah, it's like Marvel spread themselves too thin with all these shows, with all these movies. The quality is completely plummeted, you know? It's so yeah, bad. And now, like, uh, as of, what, today, like, these new writer's strikes have been announced, so I wonder if that will <laughs> throw more spanners in the in the cogs, because, like, yeah, the, the writing in these movies has not been great. Weirdly, a bunch of, like, Rick and Morty writers keep being attached to these these scripts. Oh, there, yeah. there is a little bit of that DNA in there as well with the, like, the quantum realm and all these oh. wacky aliens making their crazy jokes, yeah. and it's just like... <sighs> Man, maybe maybe ten years ago, but <laughs> this is getting really, really repetitive and old, and just kind of annoying now. You know, all these kind of copycats of copycats of copycats. It's yeah, it's got like no voice of its own, and <laughs> yeah, they yeah. got to be scared about their future, man. Because I don't, I don't know about you, but this Kang guy, I, I don't really care. Oh yeah, okay. Jonathan no, Majors is like in a scandal right now. And he's now in too. big trouble. Oh, and yeah, that he's too. Yeah, is he yeah. going to be he's, recast? He's probably going to get recast. <laughs> I mean, there's no way. It's not like an Ezra Miller thing where they already shot the movie. I don't think they shot yeah, Avengers exactly. yet, so they're going to just recast him. Yeah, he's a uh, he's got some allegations against him for abuse. Yeah, which yeah, I have you know, no idea he's not he's on. not bad in the movie. It's just the character. You know, there's just like a million fucking things going on. It, it's butting heads with the tone of Ant-Man. You have like this very serious character yeah. talking about genocide or whatever. And then you have Ant-Man with his silly antics and it's completely mm -hmm. butting heads. Yeah, the intensity of the character like doesn't match. And maybe they could have done something with that if they were like willing to have stakes and maybe just like, just take Ant-Man Ant -Man out at the end of this movie or something, you know? Be like, yep, Kang killed him. That's the end of Ant-Man. <laughs> Like, why do you need to, like, keep everything around and have it all be so sacred? It, like, makes every one of them, like, just blend into each other, you know? And it's like, no. There's nothing yeah. different at the end as there yeah. is at the beginning. Yeah, they tried to play it safe, but also they took risks in the wrong areas. All the wrong places, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, like, shocking. All right, what are our ratings? Wow. I give this one a uh, 7 out of 10. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't know like I, I i have this rated as a two star which might be generous that might be just adding a bit of like the cherry on top of just how how utterly bizarre this movie is um and how much of like a weird that's fine and two star the, the ironic enjoyment i get but uh yeah it, it's not good and I'm, I'm finding the way this whole like franchise seems to be unraveling before our eyes to be quite a spectacle in and of itself mm, yeah i I am curious to see where this goes, yeah. I would give the first Ant-Man and the second one like 7 or 6 out of 10, or like 3.5 star or 3 star. I like those movies, okay. This new one, I'd probably give a 5 out of 10 or 2.5 star out of 5 star. Mm. It really didn't do much for me. At first, I, you know, I was hanging in there because it's the MCU, and I want to, <laughs> you know, give them some credit, but 
it came a point where I'm, I couldn't really defend the movie anymore. <laughs> the the effects yeah. are terrible. The look of Modoc is weird. The characters are lame. The Bill Murray cameo is weird. Kang is <laughs> out of place. None of the characters are memorable. The story sucks. It's not funny. <laughs> yeah, it's not. <laughs> yeah, it's like, man, if you can't even deliver on the base level of the spectacle visual effects, which at the very least, you know, that's normally been the thing that's there. But we're not uh, even getting that anymore with some of these, you know? Like, they just look so bad. Yeah, I, can't, I hate to keep bringing up Avatar The Way of Water, but those effects are amazing. They really mm -hmm. put a lot yeah. of work and time into making that movie look great. And it's like, you enjoy watching that movie's visuals and, and this movie just looks so ugly. You want to, you want to turn away from the screen because it's yeah. so ugly to look at. There's nothing to ground any of it. All the action is just like this weightless, gross goo in a, in a dome. Yeah. It's like a bunch really of amoebas and blobs that are all orange and, and gray <laughs> yeah. and purple. And like and robots with whole. like lamp, sh lamp shades for heads. So it's just like, <laughs> Nothing ground in this shit. Yeah. And that character died. I felt nothing for that. The yeah, guy who shot lasers out of his moment. head. Yeah. yeah I just felt nothing. But please give Paint and Reed another trilogy of these. That's what we need. Yeah. Just, I, it would be funny if he just kept doing Ant Man movies <laughs> for the rest Six of his Ant -Man career. Movies. <laughs> so their plan right now is just like Thanos 2. Is that what you're telling me? Yeah. Kang is That's Thanos 2. Except much lamer. Yeah. And Kang's whole thing is he, um, he's like can control the multiverse or there's like multiple versions of him. That's one of the post credit scenes is like they oh. zoom out of a stadium and you see like a, a stadium full of Kangs. Buh. There's like yeah. thousands of <laughs> Kangs and they're all, they all look different and they're all cheering. Yeah. But all, all <laughs> that's the other really Ricks. go nowhere now. <laughs> they were like so yeah, exactly. Yeah. They were like soy facing at Rick coming in. That's great. Yeah. It's, it, yeah. that was like a Rick and Morty thing. Yeah. That's mm -hmm. funny. All right. Yeah. Stupid, stupid movie. Okay. All right. Time for the recommendation. Yeah. Uh, we Ooh. watched La Haine, translated to Hate or Hatred. It was directed by Mathieu Kasavitz. Uh came out in 1995. I believe it premiered at uh, Cannes Film Festival. And it is a... Black and white, kind of interesting, uh, artistically presented uh, French drama film following, uh, I guess, three main characters and uh, this French series of riots and protests against police brutality. Has some interesting uh, commentary on people and power systems. And yeah, it's very well made. Love it. What do you think about it? Yeah, it's great. Yeah. This was excellent. It fit like firmly in that place for me where some of my favorite films, be it Transporting, Do the Right Thing, This is England, like focusing on like the lower class struggles. Yeah. And the kind of socioeconomic political impact of like what's going on in these time periods. Uh, and the, yeah, the character, the humor, the sadness um, that comes as a, as a result of these things. Mm. Yeah, well, packaged with this like really creative uh, visual flair and yeah. intensity, a real great just escalating tension that just builds and builds and builds and is released mm -hmm. in like the most satisfying, elevating way towards the end. Um, I was like yeah. really liking this movie, and then it wasn't till that like last like five minutes where I was like, okay, no, nah, this mm -hmm. is. I think this is something special, something great. Yeah, punchy as well. It like builds to that 
like conclusion. And that's what the writer or director said of the film. He said he wrote, he he came up with the ending first and then built the film around it, which I thought was interesting. And it definitely feels that way. It's almost like a whiplash ending where the mm-hmm. whole movie like yeah. builds to this yeah. like spoiler amazing... discussion. We can talk about the ending. Mm-hmm. Okay, and um, just like great pacing and structure, mm. just like not just the ending, the whole film and how it built to that moment and how I saw a video essay on this movie too. So it's not all my original thoughts, but there's divided how the film's divided into two halves the first half being like in their home um like kind of outside the city and and the the wide shots gave the locations personality and you could see the locations and see the culture and their their culture Mm. and then in the second half of the film when they're in paris it the, the background of Paris becomes much more abstract and it becomes much closer shots, much more close-ups. And the the framing becomes more fragmented and uh, these like little details like that mm-hmm. that just made the film more like uncomfortable and unnerving in the second half and made like the the class divide more like clear. Like, oh, that's obviously what this movie is about. And the way they showed these two different parts of you know society and how they shot them differently i thought was very interesting and it created a very interesting effect i thought and yeah the slice of life you get the three characters they kind of chose to frame the story around are like yeah the the perfect little microcosm of the conflict where you have kind of the mediator character who's somewhat in the middle being the uh arab uh immigrant and then there's the uh the Jewish fellow who's uh, he's kind of obsessed with taxi driver and rehearsing it, and he's got this outward kind of expression of like violence, and you can see there's a lot going on behind his eyes, a lot of like hatred he's carrying around. That kind of his arc is revealing that it's more of like a front, and it's kind of posturing comes down to it when he has that gun and the black guy who. Uh, he kind of he has a better moral sense of what's right and wrong, and the way he kind of interjects and clashes with the uh, the lead on over this this gun conundrum where the cop mm-hmm. loses his gun and it's kind of kept in the background. It's just yeah, all these little details that kind of just boil and boil the tension because yeah, from the from the get go, it's like set the the day after a uh, a protest, um, a riot. Mm-hmm. So uh, and one of their friends was captured by the police and that's one of the that's one of the threads that kind of radicalizes or would be the thing to radicalize the main character with uh, him passing while in police custody and you get like to see a slice of how brutal the police can be um just for like Mm -hmm. no reason just rounding people up and this this tension and yeah it all felt very relevant and despite being from the 90s like a lot of this kind of messaging and imagery and the point of the story like it, it still hammers home just as hard now like Still plenty of riots going on today, still yep. a lot of tension, mm-hmm. even outside of just talking about France and Paris. Yeah, yeah it kind of is just universally true. I think it's particularly mm-hmm. true in France. I think there's a yeah, yeah, protest, yeah. There's uh, a reason it comes anti-authoritarian from the... culture. Like French people protest Yeah, a lot. it's like built into the DNA of their country, isn't it? Yeah. Like that violence and the, the revolutionary aspect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A very well shot film. Yes. Everything is very sensibly presented uh like all the effects look great like you know the shotgun on the car effect it's like oh holy shit feels Mm. like real yeah 
Yeah, but and and the shots are very creative too. Like, yeah, I love the shot of them going down the staircase and mm-hmm. it, like you know it like rotates around. There's a lot of great shots. The one through the mirror too, where mm-hmm. you know I guess they they like duplicated yeah. the room and used a, a double, and it wasn't a mirror, but. In the context of the film, it was a mirror. Yeah, that must be the most famous shot from the movie, right? I've, I've seen that shot a bunch yeah. of times um, before, but never realized it was actually from this mm. film. Yeah. Yeah. The three characters that we follow, they each provide something special to the chemistry that they have with each other. And just watching them bounce off yeah. of each other is super entertaining throughout the entire film. Because it, it, it's almost like every scene in this movie is almost like detached (laughs) not not interchangeable but like they're so separated from each other but they all still seem to fit and they all still seem to have like a real good sense of build-up it's almost like a series of like different scenarios or vignettes or whatever but yeah each one of them Mm -hmm. is just so entertaining and it's very funny too like this movie had a great sense of humor yeah Mm -hmm. great dialogue it's very sharp and witty and yeah, just every little detail of it. Like I loved um, on like the dialogue slash writing, like the incorporation of graffiti and just the environment on the mm. walls. There are a bunch of lingering shots that will say like linger on graffiti that says we are the future, kind of playing into this this sad state of the you know the socioeconomic reality of these these characters. Is I think that's part of what binds them is that kind of that class issue that is bringing them all together, putting them in the same environment, forcing them to deal drugs, to be kind of aimless and yeah, just be this this victim of the environment that they're in. Yeah. The dialogue felt very natural and that really helped the film because it's not like, Oh, these characters are talking like, I don't know, cartoons or whatever. They felt like real people. And when things happen to them, you actually care because they feel like real people. And yeah. it feels like there's consequences to things. It's, yeah, it's like the weighty uh, setting like never really gets in the way. It never feels like too self-important or anything like this. It is grounded by, yeah, when they're all sat around talking about like who did the stinky fart and stuff like this. Where <laughs> It does ground it. It does make yeah. it feel real. Yeah, it makes it that much more painful. Where they make references to movies. Yeah, goes yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, when they're arguing about the the cartoon characters and like who would win in fights or whatever. They'll talk oh, about yeah. it's like a funny bit. <laughs> Loads of great dialogue. Yeah. Hercules is the original gangster, he said. But they yeah. just FYI, they're talking about a French like comic strip Hercules the Cat. They're not talking about Disney Hercules. Oh. Yeah. So Hercules was like oh, another right, yeah, yeah. uh French comic, kinda like the you know, Smurfs or Tintin or Asterix. Oh, speaking of Asterix, (laughs) that was a great character. That was uh, the 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 scene where they're like going to meet him as his at at his apartment, and they're like, "We don't know our friend's real name," and everybody in the apartment is just like getting pissed at them. And the the this Uh, this delightful, just insane chaos that arises from that, and the musical chime that plays every time they ring the bell also is just like kind of mm-hmm. uh it's it's so playful <laughs> and there's there's this how do i describe it there's this subtle kind of like insanity that goes along with a detail like that of of just that that chime playing and then when they get into the apartment and they're like he's as is like oh do you want to do some cocaine 
and then starts playing yeah, Russian like roulette. <laughs> yeah, he's got yeah, the gun yeah, tucked into was, his waist. Yeah. That was one of the best scenes. Yeah, it reminded me of like Alfred Molina in oh Boogie Nights. Boogie Nights scene. Yeah, oh, I, this came first. I knew too. it reminded me of something. I couldn't place it. Yeah, no, that yeah. is yeah. Oh man, that's what it was. Yeah, it was very similar. So it to turns that. out uh, Paul Thomas Anderson's a hack. And uh, he's fired. <laughs> yeah, he's, fired he's a hack. Like David Lynch and uh, Ridley Scott, big hacks. Everybody's a hack. <laughs> Everyone's hacked hack. the planet. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> that has a great payoff too. Like after that, the tension of that scene is kind of uh, dissolved when they're like, yeah. oh, how much Slight did that guy hand. owe you? And it's like a, a hundred bucks. You know, it's like, we did all that for a hundred bucks. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's all like so frivolous and all just, yeah, yeah, reinforces this like pointless violence and like just angst that's like just in the air. Uh-huh. So on, on paper, um, or if you were to like summarize this film, a lot of it is, you know, dialogue and, you know, character mm-hmm. interaction. But what surprised me about this film is that in execution, it's one of the most physical movies I've ever seen. And that's mm. what can make dialogue scenes and character interaction really great is when you fill the space in the scene with visual movement and you have the characters doing something interesting visually. Like there's a part where it's just like on the subway and the character to the right side of the frame is the one speaking dialogue. But on the left side of the frame, you see Vincent Cassell just like kind of chewing his necklace, right? And just doing this kind of like weird kind of compulsive yeah action and that fills up the frame and it makes it more interesting uh you have scenes like the where where they're on the roof and there's they're making hot dogs or whatever and Mm -hmm. the guy's like should i give it to your sister on credit too he's like oh no don't talk about my sister like that when he says don't talk about my sister like that like on paper you could have a very different context to how the character's reacting like I would imagine it would be like actually offended, but the way that he's kind of over exaggerating his movements, he puts his head in his hand and then he runs away stealing the hot dog. Just like all this fun staging and using the space and the camera following them. Like it's everything in terms of like realizing an actual open space is just so well executed and every character is always doing something interesting. And so you take this film where like, it's a lot of dialogue. It's a lot of dialogue with like tiny bits of action here and there. But even the dialogue scenes always have something that makes it feel like really vibrant and moving and alive. And just it, it's it's so engaging, especially, you know, you compare it to other films where, you know, what do they what do the characters do? They're talking and eating or what do the characters do? They're talking and walking like those are the instincts mm. Those are the laziest ways to have characters just like doing a thing while they're talking. And that's what most movies do. But they really got creative with this film and they really used it as an opportunity to express more about the characters. And I I found that really great. Uh, Yeah, I love the shot with those four pillars with the four characters and each one Mm -hmm. of them is doing some kind of quirky idiosyncrasy. One of them's like throwing stones at the the one next to him or the guy at the Mm -hmm. end, he's like playing with his hands, making like a little beat. And yeah, it it does ground it. It makes it feel way more engaging and realistic. And yeah, it sells any time it is just dialogue and just delivers it in a fun way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Adam, you're right about the background. How there's usually stuff going on in the background, like Vincent Castell eating, mm-hmm. or there's like a eating his neck, or there's like a shot where like characters are talking in the background, but there's action going on in the foreground, like handing money or whatever. 
Yeah. And it's it's not only visually creative, it, it enforces the themes of the movie too, which are that the characters are kind of informed and a product of their environment mm-hmm. and of their background. And yeah. that, yeah, it just hammered that home to me. So it's thematically poignant and also, yeah, visually interesting. Right. It's like, you know, the way they filmed dialogue scenes in this movie is like how they filmed the action scenes in John Wick. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, um, not you lazy, know, they yeah. just put a lot of, yeah, not lazy. <laughs> they put thought into, yeah, moving the camera, moving the actors, blocking and all these things, props. And, and yeah, it, it blends together and it feels so natural while you're watching it. Like you're not thinking about staging or any of the shit while you're watching the movie. You're, you're, you're invested in it. You're mm-hmm. invested in the characters. And it feels so real. Yeah. Almost like a documentary. There's also like a really great variety of like filming techniques in this movie. You know, some of it, Mm. some of it, it it doesn't look like it's made by a multi-million dollar production. It looks like it's all very kind of like DIY, but they're trying anyway. And it, you know, there's sometimes there, the, when the camera zooms, there's a little bit of like jitteriness to it, but it's like kind of adds to the personality also. Yeah. I like that. I never. Yeah. I like that as well. The the imperfection mm -hmm. of it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. I like film grain and, you know, imperfections. I, I tend to like that in, in a lot of movies. Um, I love the black and white, too, mm-hmm. I just wanted to say. And I think there's yeah, some thematic the relevance to that. Mm-hmm. Maybe, like, the divide between, you know, the, the two different worlds that are explored in this movie. So, like, black and white. Maybe it's, like, the police, black and white, something like that. Mm-hmm. I, was just, I was just trying to find some meaning to, like, the black and white. And, and obviously, it looks visually stunning, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It kind of it emphasizes like the futility as well of this like there's that there's that ongoing theme of the hate begets hate. There's that line, isn't there, where he's saying, "But yeah, mm-hmm. in learn, in school we learned hate breeds hate," and there is just this kind of apathetic, kind of frivolous nature to all the pain that you get to see. You yeah, get a little window into all this pain, and it is all just kind of like for nothing. It's kind of the ultimate point, and especially the way the the central conflicts kind of resolve with that final confrontation. And it, it, there is something futile about it. Like everything you'd expect to happen in like a traditional obvious story is that that lead character would the taxi driver fan would, would be the one to snap after their friend being taken out in the hospital um, yeah. in the, yeah, from the coma. But it, yeah, it kind of plays out in the inverse way and the character you'd least expect to, Pull the trip. Well, it's left to, as a mystery, isn't it? It's kind of the final sting of the movie. Mm-hmm. It's that you hear one bullet shot and you don't know if it's the cop or the the character who pulls the trigger. Mm-hmm. So you can kind of have your own theories. Uh, but just watching that character be reduced to that level because you see how defensive he is in previous scenes, like the torture scene where he's being held, and you see that rage come out. And he, that mm-hmm. character, he like owned the gym, and he has like a lot of reasons to like snap. And because he, yeah, in the riots, like he lost everything. He's like mm. dealing drugs to survive. He has that really disturbing scene with with his mother where he's like saying that he, he can't be in this environment anymore. It's like breaking him and it's wearing him down. And she like doesn't even really credit his response at all. And it's like, oh, but if if you see a lettuce in the shops, can you grab one when you're out? Like it doesn't even <sighs> listen to him, yeah. like, which kind of just emphasizes mm. how just hopeless this whole scenario and scene is and mm. yeah the the way it just man, just every part of it, every technical part of it i was really noticing like uh the audio and sound editing just in like small scenes when he's shuffling around in the movie theater watching his stuff and just everything like flows so well and the integration of these like little uh 
uh, it keeps showing what the time is on like a little title mm -hmm. card. Yeah. With the like ticking clock and then when how that yeah, comes together that. towards the end where yeah, it interjects the one minute later and the mm -hmm. the, the the ticking is just filling the the screen, making it as tense as possible. And yeah, it all just bubbles to this moment and the way it comes together is just like it's quite immense. When they are in the uh, police custody being interrogated and like physically abused, like that's some really good physical performance. Like when yeah, when he's yeah. saying shit like, uh, here's this one, the Shanghai squeeze, and he does it, I'm like, I don't know what the fuck that is. I've never heard about that b before, but it looks like he's in serious pain. <laughs> like it looks like it hurts, you know? Yeah. And it's, mm -hmm. it's a really, a lot of really long takes in this movie too. Just yeah. watching the yeah. characters like build off of each other in like a natural sort of performance way. Uh, I think the long takes really help there too. Yeah. And just Great like squirm in the tension. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. That torture yeah. scene was horrible. Like, because uh, I had mm -hmm. that whole angle of them, they were like teaching like a newer recruit or someone who doesn't know how mm -hmm. to torture people, like how to torture. Just like, just uh, as if it's not bad enough on its own, like just yeah. having a character explain bit by bit and like how to maximize the the suffering is like quite a, quite a powerful moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it's interesting to have that character's reaction to it too. The, the new yeah. cop you see his like reaction to the torture he doesn't seem very like you know pleased by it but he mm. i guess you, i guess it's kind of like vague what he's thinking the scene toward the end where they um like kind of kidnap a cop and hold him at gunpoint mm. and you know vincent cassell like holds the gun like right at his face and i i felt that was very effective in in making you feel kind of sick like how he did, like just the shot that they held on with the guy, like the cop, like covered in blood, like his. I his... think that was a skinhead. Oh, okay. They pointed again at well, a cop earlier, though. Yeah, but the one that they I, were yeah, in the right. alley with was a skinhead, I think. Yeah, the skinhead. Yeah. What's the difference? That's right. Yeah, because he because yeah yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah and because that's right. He says he says shoot the skinhead. That's right. But it's just like yeah. The, the way they dragged it out and the way the shot held on, like, that guy's face, mm -hmm. like, it made you feel, like, disturbed. Like, it was. Like, you don't want to, you don't want to kill this guy either. Like, if you were in that situation, you wouldn't want to do that. I mean, yeah. he looks fucking horrified. And the character it, that had previously been the voice of reason is now egging him on, too. And then he realizes yeah. he can't and do it and just fucking throws up. Gets, like, such a visceral, yeah. like, human reaction out of it. Yeah, and he got a reaction out of me too. Like I, I was like, "Don't do it," you know, because it's so shock. It was like so shocking yeah. the way it was done. Did you not read that as the Hubert character kind of calling his bluff in that moment? Like, yeah, it could be. I think he was egging him on in earnest. I don't know because that's how I was kind of interpreting it. I think I think that it can be true and untrue at the same time. Like I think in a character's mind, they can say something yeah. where they might not fully mean it, but accept the consequences of what happens if he does it like yeah. i don't know yeah mm -hmm. I, I believe it either way to be honest yeah um i so say that, that man there's a lot going on in this movie like uh there are a couple of really kind of great thoughtful moments like there's that guy coming down the escalator in this little monologue saying about this group of people that aren't racist but vote right which is like part of the reason these kind of situations keep arising. Thought that was like a good observation. Mm -hmm. And there was that other really interesting scene where they're just in the bathroom and this old man comes out of the bathroom and has this like whole monologue about how he was like in the gulags and 
it was telling the story of the man who died because he didn't want to uh, go to the toilet, didn't want to defecate near everyone else. So he got left behind on the uh, on the train and froze to death. And the main characters are just like, oh, why the hell did you tell me that story? Like, what does that mean? And <laughs> I don't really have any concrete ideas as to what that, that was bringing forward or meant, but I thought that was like a fun, just like a, 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 a out of the blue scene that just made the characters think differently for a second and question things and yeah just a cool idea mm -hmm. mm. i love yeah. the uh <laughs> the dude in the uh the bathroom stall he just makes himself mm. known as he's exiting is it like, what a wonderful day to take a big shit yeah. Whatever he says. <laughs> and then he goes off on like his own little monologue. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Somebody like it it's it's one of those movies where like just every scene feels like a classic scene, you know, every scene feels mm -hmm. like a great scene and they're all just like, oh, all yeah, these big characters out, yeah. like really memorable. Lots of yeah. very memorable Ooh. moments, shots. Yeah. Yeah, other Vincent shows up in the movie, uh Vincent Lindon from uh, Measure of a Man and Titan, 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 Titanium. He was great. He was the guy that was, yeah, who was drunk that? outside uh, while they were outside the car while they were breaking into the car. And they were stealing oh, it. Oh, that's and, right. He's yeah. the only one who actually knows how to drive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. That was another fun scene. Yeah. He allows him to escape. He's like jumping on the cop car. That was fun. Mm -hmm. And I love, like, it's, there's parts about this movie that, I appreciate the subtlety and how things are expressed. It's not like so gratuitous. Like when uh, Vincent Lindon is like outside uh, the vehicle, you tell by you can tell by the end of the scene. You know, as he's jumping on the car, cop car, obviously he's like shit faced. He's like absolutely drunk. But there's there's yeah, like yeah. subtleties in terms of his performance that allow you to interpret that before that point. You only see him through the interior of the vehicle, through like the window. But he does this subtle kind of like stumbling outside the car, this like half stumble mm. during his conversation. And uh, and at that moment, I'm like, oh, wow, he's like drunk. Whereas like, I, I, I think about how another film might have presented that. They probably would have cut to like a wide exterior shot of the car to show the stumble and like really sell that and be like, Oh yeah, he's like drunk or like, mm -hmm. you know, have it be much more gratuitous and obvious. But I like that. I like that. I was able to tell through his performance. I love that. That was just something that I could experience as an audience member rather than just having it be like spoon fed to me at mm -hmm. that point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The movie doesn't spoon feed anything to you. It, it just like shows. Yeah. You get you. to absorb it. <laughs> Yeah, and you absorb it, like the characters and what they're thinking. You're just left to like in interpret that in, in ways. Like sometimes they're just like staring off, and you're just like, oh, I wonder what they're like, like what they're taking from this situation or what they're thinking. Yeah, I, I love that. I love them just following their perspective. I thought they were interesting characters. Yeah, and the whole like message of the movie just like really worked for me. It really hammered home. I love the beginning, like them showing like the the footage of like the riots. I assume it's like real footage of like a real riot, mm -hmm. and it just yeah. it made it feel more grounded and more realistic. It made it feel more like a documentary kind of style, like you're watching something that's you know you're watching real characters and real people, and these things mm -hmm. matter. This is like something that could actually happen, and yeah, yeah. I love that. 
Yeah. It feels like a real earnest, genuine snapshot of like a a time and a culture and a statement an idea, you know, it, like mm-hmm. it just feels like a real slice of reality. Yeah, absolutely. I saw on the subreddit some people were making comparisons to do the right thing, which we've also talked about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We could, yeah, I guess, yeah. compare. I, I love both the movies, but I, I, yeah, I agree. There's like very similar kind of, not, not structure, but similar like themes of police brutality, you know, culture and mm-hmm. also like, yeah, just like following characters, a day in the life kind of story. Like yeah. Do the right thing. The kind of humor and then it going wrong towards mm-hmm. the end. Yeah. Yeah, definitely something wrong. like that. Very yeah. different feel very, and very different yeah, tones, sure. Different mm-hmm. setting, different culture, different, yeah, mm-hmm. different mm-hmm. attitudes. Yeah, but the same kind of themes hammer home, which kind of yeah. also shows how universal these themes mm-hmm. are, these, these themes of like oppression and uh, authoritarianism. Yeah, yeah, that's why I bring up uh, This Is England, because I just, uh, it does have the whole kind of tired working class that have been like abandoned and they're aimless and they'll often turn to crime or yeah any of these kind of oppressive things that all this this like a frustration that doesn't really know where to be channeled in like a healthy way so yeah it does come out in riots it does come out in violence mm-hmm. which feeds back to the title of the movie the whole you know the last of us two hate hate begets hate this vicious cycle mm-hmm. thing that just seems like this never-ending cyclone that just can't be stopped yeah, I want to get back to um, just like uh, I guess the the physical performances in in this film, they're they're all so consistently great that you have to attribute it to the directing, right? You have to attribute a lot of it as somebody has an idea, somebody has like a way that they want to communicate things, and the director was obviously very intentful, if that's a word, it, very. Um, mm-hmm. He he was obviously paying a lot of attention attention to how things were physically performed. Vincent Cassell, there's this way that he communicates his posture in this film, where he's kind of mm. like, you know, he's he's a little bit taller, and he's kind of like trying to hunch over other characters, especially after he gets his gun, and he's trying to like be cocky towards certain yeah. people. There's a scene like when they're, I think they kind of like crashed that function or whatever, and the there's like hors d'oeuvres being handed out and they like start arguing with like a group of girls or whatever. And he's like clearly just trying to like hunch over people like being like, Oh, you're tough shit. He's got this almost kind of like Quasimodo kind of like posture comparing that to like his performance in black Swan, where it's like an entirely different character, like physically and just how he, how he moves and how the the type of like status that you can interpret from the character in, in each of these films, like same guy, but like wildly different physical performance. I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I read um, that he was, I think he was 28 years old when he, when this was mm-hmm. shot and he's playing a teenager and it didn't, there was no disconnect there for a second for me. Like I didn't, I didn't even question that until reading that after the fact. Mm. Yeah. He does fully transform. Yeah. Because that could be uh, distracting. So, like a really interesting face to look at as well. The actor, like it, that does bring something to it. Mm-hmm. He's got a look for sure. Yeah, yeah. Do you know anything about this director? Otherwise, like I was looking a little bit through his, uh, no, his stuff was, on IMDb, yeah. and uh, there were a couple of surprises in there. Do you remember Babylon AD? Remember he did that. that? 
Oh. He directed that. Oh, um, <laughs> that movie sucks. And yeah. The only one I had seen aside from this one is uh, Gothica. Early 2000s Gothica. psychological horror movie with, with Halle that. Berry. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I've only, I saw Gothica back in the day. I remember that being quite Same. odd. Yeah, I hear I hear Babylon AD is like really bad also. It's so funny because <laughs> this, this movie is so great. And so much of it, like you have to attribute to the directing. He wrote and directed it. Is a this is like clearly his his passion project, his idea, like him shining through and creating this. Then you take a look at all of the other works he's associated with, or all of his other directorial projects, and uh, they all look bad. They all look really bad. <laughs> yeah. So was, Crimson Rivers, Gothica. Yeah. yeah. There's nothing really. On that level, it's the... No. No, it's one of those where I was like, oh, damn, is there another director I have to, like, check out all their works for? I want to see what else this guy's made. And then I just immediately see Gothica, Babylon AD. (laughs) I'm like, oh. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. But yeah, yeah. But this is all, yeah, great movie. He was apparently 29 years old when he made it. I'm I'm reading that from the Roger Ebert review. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty impressive. I better get on it making a five-star movie. Yeah. <laughs> I'm 25 now. <laughs> Make a five-star movie. I'm kidding. But, you know, it's. It, I thought it was great. Like, you know, even though he made Babylon AD or whatever. It's this movie. It's written and directed by him, Lahane. It definitely feels like a passion project. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's fine. Yeah. If, you know, if that's the only movie you ever wanted to really say something with, I think that's fine. You could go back to being a, you know... Hack. Studio director. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if that's what he wants full. to do, I mean. This he is does, still he does movie, mostly yeah. acting, it seems. He, yeah, he's acted in some stuff. He acted yeah. in... Valerian. What was that? Yeah. Happy End. Happy End. The Michael Hunt. Who wasn't in Valerian? <laughs> someone, yeah, yeah, right? yeah. He played someone called Hawker. I don't know who that is. Couldn't tell you. <laughs> We should do a Valerian rewatch. We should all rewatch Valerian. I'm, yeah, yeah, we man, should. Uh, I got it on 4K Blu-ray. I'm ready at any moment. <laughs> you do? <laughs> yeah, I think why not? someone got it for me as a gag. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, Adam got me the Hurricane Heist Blu-ray. With 4K Is that not an epic gag. movie, though? That's epic. Come on. <laughs> it's fun. I'm glad I have that on 4K, yeah. What else do we have to say about Lahane? Uh, it was great. Lahaini. Yeah, it was yeah. great. Absolutely Lahaini. great. I will check it out again one day. Yeah. Super yeah, definitely good stuff. Will watch Thanks. this again. Yeah. Yeah, I'd happy to watch this again. Yeah. It's uh definitely definitely feels like a classic and uh would love to get it in 4K. I thought you got the 4K for this like, you know, discussion. That's why I thought you recommended it. No, I read. Well, I posted on. I didn't know what I was going to recommend last episode, and I posted on Twitter. What should I recommend? And then this one, some you know, had some likes in the responses, and it was under two hours. Oh, uh, oh okay. <laughs> you know, and it's probably because the 4K was coming out that people like. Is the 4K it. coming like, out? I think it's either coming out or it is. I heard out. that there was like a, a French one and a German one, but I'm not sure if they actually have English subtitles. So I, I don't know, but. Whatever. I'm, I'm gonna look it up for you. It's now. not the end of the world. Anyway, I could give this one yeah. a nine out of ten. I could give it a ten at some point in the future. For now, I'm giving it a nine. Loved it. I yeah. thought it was fantastic. 
very very fun to watch and just really well made yeah yeah i'm pretty much right there with you this would be a high nine out of ten for me a four and a half star on a first watch uh yeah i love that intensity loved every individual element on its own and yeah the way it comes together especially towards the end is like such a elegant take on such like a complicated topic that would be easy to kind of blunder i think it's just yeah a very uh, witty and tactful like approach to this whole thing i'd really recommend it oh so i don't think there is a 4k criterion yeah i think not there yet. is a 4k but yeah but it's not uh in america it's like 110 dollars to yeah. it, so I'm not, I'm not doing that wow. <laughs> i heard it doesn't even have english subtitles so oh wow okay so yeah, that's definitely not worth it. Yeah, we'll wait. For um, I would give it, you know, I, I'm gonna go five star on it because I think it's nice. You know, poignant. You know, it's it's really everything I look for in a film. It's poignant and well shot. I think it's beautiful visually. It's great um, and and grotesque too. It's it's both. It's you know, a whirlwind of emotion, <laughs> which is what film should be. I felt like every emotion during it: disgust and happiness and sadness and hate, tension. Hate, hatred, mm. yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, good stuff. <laughs> good stuff. Yeah. yeah, I didn't. Yeah. I also didn't mention um, just one tiny thing. Uh, music was very sparingly used, and it all sounded great. Yeah, There's a bunch of different genres yeah. in here. I loved that fucking uh, remix of like "Whoop Whoop" sounded a police plus like Edith Piaf, mm-hmm. like "No Je Ne Regrette Rien" or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Like that was a fun yeah. mashup. I'm I'm like a big yeah. fan of like punchy kind of like mid '90s hip hop beats. Like the snare sounds like yeah, so, yeah. You know, love it. Yeah, mm-hmm. great stuff. All right, um, question time. Yeah, do you mind if I just uh, pee quickly? I'm done. Is that our yeah. first question? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I need Go your feedback on that. Okay, cool. <laughs> Give me a sec. <laughs> All right, we're back. Time for questions. I'm going to actually supersede the questions. I just want to hear what uh, what you guys think of this, like, dumb-looking fucking thing. I saw this ad on TV. Uh, I think Mm. this is is what I saw, where I just, like, I looked at... (laughs) Citadel. There's some... uh, Well, I'm trying to... Is this exactly what I saw? I don't fucking know. There's a bunch of it... There's a bunch of shots from this that just look like they're trying to be like the rip off Christopher Nolan shit. And then I see the poster and I'm like, you're just trying to you're it's like you're trying to make the po- poster look like Tenet. Yeah. It look it's it tenet. looks like it's trying <laughs> yeah. to look like Tenet. I saw that too. Uh, the t- the that poster and I'm like it looks like Tenet and how embarrassing is it that I've like never even heard of that show or like never watched it? Like I have no idea what that is. Citadel. Yeah, <laughs> like two. you spent all this show, money is it? on Amazon yeah, Prime. It's like yeah. that rings of power. Oh, produced from the Russo brothers. Man, they, oh, they're really into this yeah. spy army stuff. They? They're like, <laughs> yeah. They're obsessed with it. They're all like yeah. the most like, forgettable they're, projects. They're like 13-year-old boys. <laughs> they're like <laughs> playing with toy soldiers. <laughs> yeah, it's like action man. Pew, pew. Yeah, really. And then they went, yeah, like uh, that Gray wow. Man movie. That was terrible, the Gray Man there, and the Great. Russos were talking like in two man. years, uh, like th- they said the Russo brothers, like in two years, uh, like AI will be making movies in Hollywood. I'm like, that's basically what the Gray Man was. It felt like an AI made <laughs> yeah. movie. Jesus, it was a little experiment. Yeah, that's yeah, this funny. Looks so Citadel. 
I wonder, okay, now you just sparked a thought in my head. I wonder, so writer's strike happening. They're just going to yep. use chat GPT. Exactly. Why wouldn't I think, you? Yeah. yeah. It's reasonable yeah. to assume. This isn't like the 2007 writer's strike. They'll just use AI. Yeah. We don't need writers yeah. anymore. There'll either be a huge like bump in quality or a huge reduction in quality. Like, no. <laughs> Everything gets bump. fixed. Yeah. Everything things gets will, better. Things yeah. will be better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's actually way better. <laughs> that would be great. But yeah, just like the Citadel thing. I love that Prime, Amazon, they just keep throwing money at these shows that no one watches. They spend hundreds of millions of dollars on it and no one watches it. Amazon sticks out as like having not a lot of great content which is surprising because they spend a lot of money on it like there i i look at like apple tv plus i'm i'm starting to be like i might get that at some point like there's a couple things on there that look interesting there's enough oh yeah that looks interesting yeah, like i haven't seen there, yeah. uh was it ted lasso and like yeah the, everyone likes ted lasso the other one Macbeth, the the cohen Macbeth movie yeah, well, yeah, the movies, yeah. But Severance like, as well. Severance, yeah, that's the one people are telling me to watch. Severance. Oh. They got Wolf Walkers, although I got the Blu-ray for that. Mm-hmm. They got that... Yeah, they have some Werner good stuff Herzog on there. documentary thing. They got fucking John Favreau's dinosaur show. Oh, but did you did you see those articles going around about um how bad the like engagement was on that Lord of the Rings Amazon Prime show? Yeah. Um, oh, like, I just what, pulled 90, up the stats. What? Like, um, yeah. yeah. Was it like ninety yeah, yeah. percent of people didn't finish it? That's great. That was this look. According to the Hollywood Reporter, viewership for the Lord of the Rings: The Rings of Power may reflect the critiques, with only thirty-seven percent of viewers finishing the series wow. domestically. Not surprised. <laughs> yeah, also, right. the two billion Lord of the Rings show, whatever it costs them. <laughs> so sad. Yeah. See, they should have gotten AI. That was your yeah. mistake. Yeah, it's, it might have helped. It's like that Walking Dead show. By the end of it, they had like like ninety percent of the audience that originally watched yeah. it were gone. It was like ten percent. <laughs> but yeah, that left. was like eleven seasons through. They couldn't even make it one season on Amazon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they couldn't make it to one you, season without losing even get them most of their in audience. The season finale. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I dropped off it. I only watched two episodes of Rings of Power. I never like picked I it watched up. the whole I never thing. finished it. Yeah, yeah I'm yes, happy for you guys. Just to see my friend have a heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the whole Prime thing though, right? Like no one's like screaming about how good Prime is outside of just like you want your packages to arrive like faster, yeah. right? That's why most people have Prime, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Maybe Mr. Robot. Yeah. yeah. That's funny. Yeah. M- Mr. Robot's on there, yeah. That's the one thing. But that wasn't even like an Amazon original, though. It just happens to no, be like this. No, yeah. no, it's just that's the. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's funny. Okay, let's do some questions from the Sardonicast community. Head over to the suggestion thread on the subreddit where you can ask us anything you feel like. Just like Adidas198 did, who says, Given the recent finger pointing Zachary Levi is doing for Shazam 2 not doing well at the box office, what should the appropriate way for actors and directors to address their movies not doing well? Do you mean Adidas, by the mm. way? That's a very Britishism added as. I, I don't know. I never know of Reddit names, to be honest. Like, it's always up in the air with that. Is it spelled it's like even, the shoe It's not brand. even spelled like the brand. Okay, never mind. It's, it's like slightly, yeah, I don't know. Uh, okay. <laughs> I know a lot of UK people <laughs> yeah. pronounce the shoe brand Adidas. Yeah, what are you supposed to say, Adidas? Yeah, well, yeah, in Adidas. America, yeah. Okay. Adudis. 
<laughs> I don't know. I mean, like, I would just imagine... Do you have if, to say anything? You don't have to say anything, but you do sign a contract where probably, like, I don't know, if you're perceived as making statements that would harm the film, like, maybe they'll come after you or something. Like, I don't know how often that would even happen, but I'd imagine there's probably something like that in one of the contracts. I don't know. But, yeah, I, I, as soon as you're acknowledging that like people aren't seeing it and it seems like you're coping like The Rock does, you kind of already lost, you know? <laughs> so what was Zachary Levi trying to blame? So know? if yeah. I'm remembering correctly, it was something to do with The Rock. Well, then I agree. <laughs> the Rock, it is The yeah, Rock. Yeah, and he was like, he was, uh, and like kind of... <laughs> It was all like boiling down to this what was happening with James Gunn, like reorganizing things and obviously the Snyder fans come out and have their <laughs> their problems with things and things to say. Oh yeah. I did get some comments on my Shazam review that were like well none of this matters because James Gunn's gonna reset the universe, so I'm not gonna see Shazam too. That's like kind of the logic. I guess That's not true. maybe. I don't yeah, I don't entirely see that, but I just think it's you know I, I more to answer the question, I think the actors shouldn't take it so personally and just see it as a, a film that they're in and a product and just kind of move on with their lives. I don't know why they take it to heart so much, like it's part of their identity. Well, because the it's not just a film, it's like a film in a franchise, and then like if it does well, then they're definitely making another one, and if it doesn't, then they're probably not. So I think his ego is probably attached to the idea of him being like a superhero character, and The Rock is the same way, you know? Like, yeah. they're mm -hmm. both kind of like their egos are attached to the character and they want to see the character do well so that they get to be the star of the universe or whatever, you know, mm -hmm. the next Robert Downey. Yeah. G. <laughs> and plus, that means more money, which is an incentive, too. But, yeah, there's definitely some ego there as well. Yeah, just don't like say anything or just say like, well, you know, sometimes it doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, it seems like there's so much more to lose from being... Uh, flagrant on Twitter in a fit of like emotions after your movie doesn't do well, you mm -hmm. know, like what, like why even go near it, even if it yeah. And there's <laughs> just plenty of movies like that fawning. don't do well. It's just like shows insecurity. It does, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you can just move on and say, well, that was like anyone who's done anything in life knows that sometimes you fail mm -hmm. spectacularly. It's it. Yeah, <laughs> it's part of success is failure. So it's about how you take it. And if you act like a bitch and act insecure, then that doesn't look <laughs> But every time I fail, it's not my fault. It's someone else's fault. So that's not fair. I blame The Rock, yeah. actually. I'm going to blame The Rock yeah, next time the, something goes wrong for me. The Rock's the most embarrassing one. Like, it is yeah. like... Like, what do you expect from, like, Rampage, you know? Like, why are you actually taking this so personal? You got yours. How many How many times do you have to be on that list of highest paid actors at the number one spot before you're, yeah. like, okay with your existence, you know? Yeah, isn't that fucking <laughs> mm -hmm. insane? I was watching the, uh, there was a bit from uh, an interview with Tucker Carlson and uh, Elon Musk. And Elon <laughs> Musk was asked about, oh, like, alien life. And Elon's like, well, you know, uh, I, you know, I, I'm always about aliens if... If uh, aliens existed, I would be the first to know, and I would tell everybody. And then, and then you you can <laughs> he like gets so giddy and excited with this next part. He's like, "Oh, 
then I could tweet about it. That would be like the number one tweet of all time. Like that's that's a gold mine <laughs> right there. And all I'm thinking is like, dude, you're the richest fucking person on the planet. And yeah. you care about like tweet engagements? Like, how desperate for validation are you? Like, you've got so many fucking simps that just love you no matter what you do because you're rich and because they think you might give them some money someday or that you might like be able to, they might be able to br- build their brand off of like leeching off of you or knowing you indirectly. Like, and he's still yeah. so desperate for validation that he's concerned about like, oh, that would be, that's a, a gold mine to him is like, a great tweet, a tweet that gets a lot of engagement. He's actually mm-hmm. thinking oh, about so that. Cringy. Isn't that insane? Yeah. Is it? That's that's where his mind went like, when he was asked yeah. about aliens. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, like, yeah. Is yeah. it? It's like <laughs> uh, I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> Maybe he should be buying some therapy instead of Twitter. You know, like ooh, yeah. yeah. That boy needs therapy. <laughs> yeah, all those Twitter blue subscriptions. Man, imagine tanking your other companies, your other investments, just so you could buy Twitter, you know? And how, tank that, How too. lame of a... <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, Twitter's like, a fucking embarrassment. Well, he was, like, probably joking, and then he affected, like, the market enough that he was forced into buying it. Because he wanted to back out, and then they had to, like, sue him to, to get him to actually buy it. And now he's just yeah. kind of stuck with it. Oh, okay. And he has a bunch of bad oh, ideas. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, no, uh, it's, it's crazy. Like show. being that comically rich, like uh, it makes me think of being like a kid in the '90s watching like superheroes. The superhero that was a billionaire, like that was such a crazy concept. It was reserved for a superhero that could like never really resemble reality. Mm-hmm. That being like Batman, but now yeah. it's like there's so many billionaires and the wealth is so like messed up. It's almost like a a negative on these characters like Batman now. So they've got to like write into the scripts now. <laughs> it's like this yeah. is more complicated. It's like and it's not yeah. just like a crazy exaggerated comic book thing. This is just like a reality now. What do they say at the end of the like the Blue Beetle trailer? Batman's a fascist. Yeah, he's a fascist they're calling him now. Um <laughs> Ooh, wow. I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah. You saw the Blue Beetle trailer? Hell yeah. It's my favorite <laughs> Um, it's kicking off the new one, isn't it? Cool. hero. Yeah, that's the it's the new James Gunn kicking off. That's why Shazam failed, guys, because um, everyone wanted to see Blue Beetle instead. Oh, that's part of the James Gunn <laughs> universe. I think I'm pretty so. sure it's like the official beginning of it, but I I'm fairly sure mm. it was supposed to be a an HBO <laughs> Max project that Duh. was like tracking well that they've like pumped a bunch bunch more money into or something like this mm-hmm. yeah that's um, cool but not that Batgirl movie that one they <laughs> scrapped no 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 that one's long gone yeah I guess maybe they thought they could sell Blue Beetle better I I don't know to be honest I I don't really yeah. know what they can do if they can really counteract the the, the wider fatigue you know mm-hmm. yeah On, of like the superhero thing well I'm I'm definitely going to be seeing the new uh, what's it called oh yeah Flash Oh, the new flat. Yeah, yeah, I'll be seeing so, yeah. They keep dropping advertising for this, and every yeah. time I see it, I, I, it doesn't look real. To, it, like it looks like a fake movie. That's I why we have to this, see it. I keep. <laughs> yeah, there's, there was this sh- like a debate going down on Twitter where they would they taken this shot. It's like the whole movie looks like it's in this like barren desert. Like whenever I see a clip, <laughs> yeah. from it, it looks like they're just in this nowhere land with like all these weird Man of Steel <laughs> yeah. references flying. I, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> Yeah, there's this shot where like two versions of the Flash and Supergirl kind of like slide into the center of the the screen at, at yeah. super speed. It's like it's like a video game, <laughs> the fakest looking, most video yeah. game ass shot, and people are like debating about it on Twitter. Like, oh, if you don't like this, then you just don't like comic books. Yeah. And it's like, but 
man, like this. That's so funny. <laughs> I can't even relate on like any level as to like what. Like, are, are people like really hyped for this? Like, I am. We're all seeing uh, it opening I, night, right? I want to talk about this shit. Yeah. As it out. Can you? We all pinky <laughs> swear promise it, that we see it immediately. Fine. Yeah, I will. But fine. Man, you're not excited. It's. <laughs> I'm excited. It seems up your for alley. all the wrong reasons, but like there seems to be like a lot of people that are excited in earnest. You know that like yeah. this is like they've been waiting for this type thing. You know. Yeah, because <laughs> the Flash is just such a great character. And not annoying in the other movies, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and Ezra Miller's such a great person. Yeah, you know what's funny? Ezra Miller gets canceled. They don't remove them from the movie, but they put two of them in the movie. That's doubling down. <laughs> They're like, we're going to put two Ezra Millers in the movie. How do you like that? I, I'd like to imagine the CEO of Warner Discovery is like actually saying that. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, yeah, I'll put yeah. two of them. Yeah. Yeah, that kills that conversation quick, doesn't it? Like, yeah. yeah, we had the budget to to get rid of one of them, but there's two of them, so we can't really funny. We commit. <laughs> Reportedly, two hundred twenty million dollars is the budget for uh, the Flash. Wow. <sighs> okay, I'm very excited. Uh, to answer the question, yeah, I don't know. Probably don't complain on Twitter about your movie failing as an actor. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Ivan JC nine eight has this to say. Seeing how much attention the lackadaisy pilot has received in recent animated series on YouTube popping up like Hell of a Boss and Murder Drones, what are your thoughts regarding the rise of internet series in light of the mass cancellations of so many animated programs on Netflix and HBO Max? You guys heard of any of these? Seen uh, any of these? Uh, After I saw this question, I kind of scrolled through uh, this lackadaisy pilot just to see what it was like. On my list, yeah. Had very very good animation. I'll give them that. Like, clearly, a bunch of talented animators got this together. Mm. The only one I hadn't heard of was Murder Drones. No idea Mm. what that is. But uh, yeah, lackadaisy is something that I'll be checking out at some point soon. And the VivC ones, obviously, the has been hotel and uh, hell of a bus like i'm yeah familiar enough with those yeah, yeah i love so to these see animators it. yeah they like used to do yeah. other projects like for studio and then they uh kind of transition no, to this, web I think, series i think most of these are just like youtubers that just got oh. enough people together and got enough talent coordinated and created like a real project that gets positive attention and has good animation and uh might yeah, get picked great. up by traditional media, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm in favor of that, yeah. I love the po- posting movies on the internet and sharing them. I think that's yeah. great. Any creative way to fund your project just so it can get made like I'm down for, you know? Just do whatever you yeah. can, I say. The um, creative landscape now is just so different. Like, funding and creating. You can, like, kickstart something now and make it, you know, like, back then it was... Like ten years ago, it was just so different. You had, you know, you needed studio money. You needed the studios. Now it's different. You have, you can have like an online audience that will yeah. give you money <laughs> or help you in some way, support you, work for free. I'm, I'm sure some people even volunteer their time to help. Yeah, and I was looking like uh, in the description of the video for this uh, lackadaisy one. They've got like patrons and mm-hmm. big, like yeah, like tens and tens of animators working on these things. So they're like big projects, but yeah, they seem more kind of independent and able, a bit more uh, uh, loose to be able to get these projects done. Yeah, and I'm sure there's a lot of passion behind them. 
because yeah. they're so small, so such small crews behind them. Yeah. So I think that's great. I, I haven't heard of these movies. I haven't seen any of them, so I don't have much to add aside from that. But I think that's a great idea. I think totally go forward with that. I'd like to see more. <laughs> yeah. It seems like one of the only true avenues, especially for like 2D animation, is for it to be like fan funded and be channeled that way because there's just not that larger interest outside of mm -hmm. kind of more niche communities. So if this can mean more projects can be made, like go for it. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how much of the... I, I, part of me feels as though the only reason there isn't as much interest in 2D animation is because they're just not making... Like, the interest didn't die in Japan because they kept making them, <laughs> right? I think like, it's like an attitude, isn't it? Where it's yeah. kind of regarded mm -hmm. a certain way here. So the, it's not like a, a, a marketable thing. I don't think there's that many people saying it. I think I think that we probably find the people that are saying that and we project their voices louder by going, look at how crazy this person is. And then we think that it's more of a thing than it actually is. I don't think most people, I don't think the overwhelming majority of people think that like 2D animation is like outdated or that they wouldn't want to see it. I think, I think people, a lot of people still watch like mm -hmm. older 2d animation yeah. too, you know? Yeah. It just needs that like contemporary spider verse type product, you know, for everyone to start. Oh, if this is a viable business mm -hmm. thing now we can do, you know, like, uh, I can't remember like the, the last big success outside of the Japanese market as far as like animated stuff is concerned in the 2d space it's ten it tends to be relegated more to yeah your wolf walkers and things of that kind of scope which i love but i mean they're just not seen on the same scale as some of these larger mm -hmm. animated projects yeah. for, they're in for kids all right next question okay let's do uh this one from dab sloth 710 Hey, Suds, what's your favorite alcoholic beverage, whether it be a type of beer, seltzer, hard liquor, or mixed drink? What would be your drink of choice? Hmm. Depends on my mood, actually. Yeah? I like uh, Negronis. I like okay, give me your good mood drink and your bad mood drink. Oh, bad mood drink? I don't think it's a good idea yeah. to drink on a bad mood, actually. Maybe you're saying I don't it think depends you on your drink. mood, right? So well, let's yeah, say I mean, you're in a bad mood. What would you what would you lean towards? I don't know if I don't, when I say depends on my mood, I don't know if I was just I don't know if I was necessarily saying like good mood or bad mood. Like if I there's a couple drinks that I'll have if I want more energy, right? That don't necessarily have caffeine in them. I find like a Negroni really? or like what? Uh, a Negroni or like some variation of a White Russian will kind of like perk me up and. I'll get a bit more energy mm. and I'll be able to like get more work done or whatever. Whereas like a beer wouldn't do that. Mm. That's interesting. Yeah. I'm not sure if I've ever really experienced like boosts of energy from drinking. It's nearly always acts as a depressant for me. Mm -hmm. but I, have to try. I haven't had a white Russian in a long time. Yeah. I'll have to give that a little try. Yeah. Actually. There's like coffee liqueur in it. So that maybe I do like, like an espresso martini or something like this. I love espresso this. martinis. Um, yeah. Yeah. They are. If those are done right. Alcohol gives me energy too. Yeah. I, I'm I'm like that. Or if I have a, like a little bit of alcohol, it gives me energy. Yeah. There was a period. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't drink much. Really? Like, yeah, at all. There's like a period like I, last year I drank like I drank beer for like a couple months. Like 
you know, like pretty like regularly. Like I just became like a beer drinker. I don't really know why. I guess it was like anxiety or whatever, like dealing with it. Yeah. But I got like really fat. <laughs> I kid like a bunch of weight. Yeah. Well, Alcohol especially beer. It. Yeah. Because beer is like a That's, lot of yeah. calories in it. It's like a lot of empty calories. Like if you, mm-hmm. if it's like hard liquor, then you're fine. But like, it was just like, I was drinking so much beer. Mm-hmm. But empty calories, it messes with your metabolism. And the way your body processes it too. Uh-huh. I find I eat a lot more when I drink too. Yeah. You have like less impulse control. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's like, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. It's just like lots of beer. I couldn't, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what I was doing, but then I, I laid off the beer. Yeah. I'm with you. I lost weight. Yeah, it makes me want to lean more towards like smaller spirits or like yeah. gin or something. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I like a good gin soda. Because, yeah, it just feels less weighty. Gin and soda with like a little bit of lime. Sometimes I'll do like a half splash of tonic in there, but have it mostly soda water and then you're good, good to go. Ooh, cranberry juice is also good. You don't need to put too much in it and it uh, enhances yeah. the flavor. If you got like a good gin, like tank 10. Friedrich's gin is really great, but you can't fucking get that anywhere. Oh, yeah. Do you have that in the UK? <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure we have that. Yeah, have that God damn much. it. Yeah, it's from Germany and I can't find it anywhere here now. So, yeah, obviously a bit closer here. So, yeah, got God a good damn. selection. You're going to need to smuggle me some actually next time yeah. you're in town, please. What do you think of martinis? I like a good martini. I don't know enough about martinis to be able to like tell a bartender exactly what i want out of it but sometimes like i think the last martini i had was like at a james bond themed bar actually (laughs) Mm, (laughs) and it was good (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'm sure i'd expect it to be good yeah i like them with some olive juice in it i like them dirty ah nice yeah i'm not sure if i've tried a martini Um, yeah i'm not i'm not fussy though I'll, i'll have like a glass of whiskey with a cigar or a glass of wine or I like wine. Wine is, yeah, because, you know, I'm Italian. Mm-hmm. A nice yeah. wine drinker. I like wine, but it fucks me up. It'll If I drink too much red wine, I get a headache. Yeah, it's a different kind of drunk. And then, like, my nights, if I incorporate more than, like, a sip of wine into my night or day or whatever, it just, like, I drink way too much. And I get more drunk, but I don't feel drunk. Wine drunk is really weird. And that I just yeah, like is, I just have different. like a miserable sleep and a miserable next day. <laughs> mm. Yeah, yeah. yeah you I get can't. The, like the, the stained lips and stained yeah. tongue. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I try to stay away from wine. Italians drink it like every day. Yeah, Italians. Yeah, yeah. yeah like kids have stuff. it in Italy. Like uh-huh. kids drink wine with dinner. Like it's fine. Yeah. No one gives a shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> love it. Yeah. <laughs> I like mezcal. Like I like mm-hmm. I like a good balanced drink that has like kind of a little bit of smokiness in it, maybe a bit of citrus and then like some like egg white. I find like most drinks you could order that have like the frothed egg white on top usually mm. are pretty good. Oh, what do you think okay. of like IPAs and these kind of things? I like IPAs. Yep. Mm, I'm not big on those. They're very earthy. I can have a couple. They can be like quite sickly sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I prefer just like normal beer or 
you know? Yeah. <laughs> like I, uh, <laughs> there's a really great IPA called Fat Tug in Vancouver. Oh. And then in Georgia, there's an IPA that they have everywhere that's also really good called uh, Tropicalia by Athens Brewing Company. And I like that it's everywhere. I like I like being in places where there's a really great local beer that's like everywhere on tap. Like every restaurant you go into, they'll just have Tropicalia on tap. I'm like, damn, you know, there's always mm. like one dependable option. And then I visited my family in uh, Edmonton, Alberta recently. And just like you go to a bar or a restaurant, everything they have on tap is just bullshit. Fucking bullshit mm-hmm. like no interesting no good choices and then i'm just like damn i you know i like those i like places that have dependable choices yeah, yeah. something nice something yeah. yeah i just don't have as much of a taste for liquor so i'm just yeah mm. <laughs> I just, I, I'll, i'm like alex i'm not fussy i'll drink whatever like i don't really have a preference do you have like the whole ale thing there's obviously like the the whole pub ale coach is like huge in the uk mm-hmm well, we don't drink them room temperature, but there's different uh, ales. Yeah. No, I've got some... Oh, man. I, my nan, like, lived in America for, like, a couple years, and mm-hmm. she would... She'd get so, served a cold beer, and she'd ask them to put it in the in the microwave. Oh, my God. <laughs> wow. That's I've never funny. forgiven her for that, because... I come more from like the New Zealand side where like everything's ice cold and I have to have all my drinks like freezing cold. So I can't mm-hmm. agree with that one culturally. That's well, hilarious. Mm, some ales actually are nice uh, room temperature to be fair, like in winter or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Is that it? Yeah, I think that's it. Okay. Ralph. Oh. Give us a movie. It's my turn to recommend a movie. And we mentioned it this podcast. I figured we might as well just recommend it if uh-huh. you want. Um, we can let's do Valerian <laughs> and the city of a thousand nice. planets. Is that what it's called? Yeah, <laughs> Valerian. Yeah, let's just talk about Valerian, Valerian in the city. Of, yes, twenty seventeen yeah. classic. We're back, baby. We're going Valerian. So Valer- you can uh, watch your four K. Oh, <laughs> I gotta get the four K Blu Ray. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I need I hope you guys re- re- do research on all the comic books, right? Oh, my God. I, oh, well, yeah. you know, I'll expect you to, actually. I'll let you take <laughs> care of that one. The graphic novels? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> if you don't want to be spoiled for Valerian and The City of a Thousand Planets, <laughs> directed by Luc Besson. What year did it come out? 2017. Uh, then watch it before the next episode. <laughs> These episodes come out every two weeks but you can listen to them early by going to patreon.com slash sardonicast or sardonicast.com sign up for premium only two dollars a month that's you know only a fraction of what the budget of valerian is actually you could make <laughs> you uh, <laughs> i don't even know where i was going with that one but it's cheap <laughs> and you get to support the show uh we also got merch link in the description we also have a uh, Sardonicast Highlights channel. Go check it out. Subscribe. Uh, turn on the bell. Leave a like. And happy <laughs> Valerian. Happy Valerian. <laughs> yeah. Have a happy Valerian. Have a thousand planets. Everybody. Have a happy. Have a have a happy thousandth planet. <laughs> <laughs> All right. 
Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.